When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that's getting bloody sick of trying to think of something funny after we've got beat. This week on Heart and Hand, why did the chicken cross the road? Because he was fucked off at Rangers getting beat yet again. So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast, my name's David Edgar, I am your host and I'm joined this week by uh, the light and the dark of of the Heart and Hand world. Uh, first up uh, from, from the netherworld, from cynicism, seven circle, it's Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening David and uh, I'd just like to say I'm glad you've taken my advice to record only five minutes tonight yep. and simply stitch it into last week's pod. Yeah, I, I think we'll save a bit of time here. Um, it's just whenever, if people hear the odd kind of thing where it, it goes, uh, and at that goal I thought that Hamilton D, it's because I've edited it badly, but here to hopefully provide uh, the, what he does best, which is the, the sort of... Uh, shall we say the devil's advocate and the, uh, he's often good at seeing things from a different angle and that's why we love him it's Mr Alexander Staff hello Alex hi David how you doing all good uh, I'm all good but uh, you know mate I was thinking Friday night was so depressing even you must have been struggling to, to come up with an optimistic take on it <laughs> Need enough yeah I, I was actually going to I, I thought you might have started this one with a bit of a, a parental guidance one because I'd imagine <laughs> I'd imagine Ian's got um, he, he, more than a few get, expletives yeah. to give us yeah. tonight we'll, we'll try and keep the expletive down just so it balances out and it'll be like a, a regular amount so might as well get straight into it then uh, there is a lot to get through this week so uh, first things first Dundee Friday night um, first half Rangers uh, well first of all the team selection we didn't see returns for Alves or Cardoso the only change to the side with loss at Hamilton was the return of Declan John although we did interestingly see Carlos Peña return to the bench although for all the good it did it. Um, 
When the game started, I thought Rangers looked sharp and, and fizzy in the first half an hour. In fact, very similar to Hamilton game. Didn't create the clear-cut chances that we had in the first game. I thought Dundee settled a bit and the game became more open in the last 15 of the first half. However, for me, the pivotal moment came in the 43rd minute when Alfredo Morelos attempted to get on the end of a cross, was unlucky, but collided with the post. And from there, you could see he was struggling. And a few minutes later, he was replaced by Eduardo Herrera. In the second half, Rangers completely lost that dynamism. And um, I, I struggled to see any shape or pattern to the play. For the first 15 minutes of the second half, I thought it became quite bogged down in midfield. And then there was a sort of sense of inevitability about what was going to happen. And sure as fate from a free kick, Dundee scored um, mistakes by Herrera and possibly Wilson getting in each other's way or, or confusing each other and not clearing it led to that goal Rangers dug in got a goal back through Josh Windass an excellent strike from the edge of the box but again um, El um, young Elton who as I say I I've praised so he, he needs criticised here Tav failed to clear a ball and, and there was yeah, three or four defensive blunders really in that Dundee move uh, led to substitute Scott Allen putting through a, a very nice ball but uh, Declan John went to sleep let his man get the run on him and Ahara got his second uh, and that was enough for Dundee to get the win and to be honest I don't think we ever really looked like coming back into it that was my take on it so first up Ian what was yours? Um, I thought I thought ultimately we, we got what we deserved it was a long spell of dominance in the first half, created very, very little, as you said. Anything we did create, we couldn't finish a dinner, very reminiscent of, of Hamilton. Um, and then after Morelos went off, uh, j just nothing, really. Um, as you say, they scored what was a tidy finish from, from the kid O'Hara. Um, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a ball into the box. We're all looking at each other. I think it bounced off Danny Wilson's foot. Mm. And it's it's stuck away, you know. It's 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 back to what we were talking about last week. No leadership, no 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 real desire, no heart on the park. Um, we get back into it. Tidy finish. I was about to uh, give Windus pelters, but boy band did well. Good finish. And um, and then, as you say, topped off by further ridiculous defending from from Elton John playing the the follow up to. I'm still standing. That is, I'm standing still. <laughs> yeah. And O'Hara nips in and scores. Dundee, worthy winners. Honestly, I wish you'd kept that for subscription service. That was worth $1.99 yeah, like. a month just, just for that. Alex, uh, that, that's my take. I agree with Ian's take. But if, if you've other, you saw something else, perhaps, I mean, this is this is why we have you on the show. Um, to be honest, as you said right at the start, it's actually, it was difficult to be positive about it. Just because... It was a complete rerun of the weekend before and, you know, you wouldn't think you'd be able to play two games in a row and miss sitters like that. It's, uh, I don't know if it was Warburton back in the, day, in the in the dugout because that's exactly what we've done under him mm. all the time. Um, and it's, it's strange. Candia should have scored when he was slipped through. Uh, Kenny Miller missed a couple of good chances at 0-0. In fact, he missed a chance at one each as well, I think, didn't he? Yes. It was quite good in the second half. Yep. Um, I, I, See, at half-time, I'll be honest, I'm sitting there thinking, we're actually looking quite good here. I know we hadn't scored, but I thought we were looking decent going forward. And guys like, you know, Windass, Candace looking dangerous. Morelos, wee bit, not, not his best, but, you know, 
we were creating a, a couple of chances that made me think he was finally going to get his goal. And then somehow the second half curse kicks in yet again. Mm. Um, and I think that's been far too far too prominent this season. Well, the thing about it is, is that the for me the Herrera. I've watched the game, you know, live, and then I've watched it the next day with, with hopefully a bit of a clearer head because you know I'm going to go through all the emotions because you know what happens and. It did kind of confirm to me my initial thought, which was the game for us turned... Now, given our second-half performance, it may have anyway, but the game for us turned when Morelos went off. And it's something we've all been saying on this pod, regardless of of individual views or or, of the team or whatever, is that Morelos is so important to us, even when he isn't scoring. And if you wanted a demonstration of that, I thought Friday night was absolutely perfect for that. And instead, on came Herrera, who... It's hard to make a case for Ian. I think it's it's very difficult. He, he talk about standing still. I mean, big lad, as you see, not great in the air. And add to that, the Dundee players were able to then relax and focus on the guys who were making runs from deep, which they'd been unable to do in the first half. And suddenly, suddenly we just we we completely lost. And we also allowed them to, to come out with the ball, which is something they didn't do when Morelos was there in the first half. And I just think that the guy is vital to us, regardless of whether he's scoring or not. The whole game went flat when Herrera came on. Um, I don't look at Friday night after the game. And I knew he was a Mexican international, but I didn't realise he's got nine caps and three goals. I think, who the fuck is he playing? You know, Greenland. So he, he, he came on. And the, the whole shape... Fell apart. The whole urgency that you know, any pace, any any whatever, because as you say, they were they were allowed to come out and press the game a bit and start playing passes. Um, he's 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 a puzzle to be honest. He's he's almost like the the striker that has to have a foil. He's he's almost your you know it's two men up front, him and one other that's going to do all the running and uh, and what have you. And the big guy's all about the knockdowns. When he was one in the headers, it was the age old thing on Friday night. When he was one in it, or when he was, you know, doing his Gordon Jury second touch attack routine, no one was there to support him. So he was effectively just knocking it on to, to a defender. Uh, it, was, it was it was actually painful to watch at times. Alex, as, as Ian says, this is a guy with nine cats from Mexico, and all joking aside, that, that's a pedigree. You don't get to that level without having something about you. Whereas. His last few appearances, he, he he hasn't looked like a footballer at all. And I, I don't buy into the players, don't put any effort. No player would rather lose than win. I mean, that that's nonsense. Nobody would, would be like that. But you do have to ask that if you look at the players that Pedro bought, I think in the summer he's looking towards a four-two-three-one, and certainly that's what we started out with in Luxembourg. Where does this guy fit in? He was always supposed to be a bit of a link-up player. Um, he, he, when he's back to goal, I actually think he's not too bad, uh, you know, especially in the ball. And if he, his link-up tends to be decent. Problem is, we've not seen anywhere near the best of him, and you won't when he always getting is the odd sub appearance, and then he's flung in at half time in a game. You know, go, go and sort that one out for us. I think it, I always think it's harsh to pick out one player when a team just dips the way. Don't worry, we've, we've got others. Don't, don't I you always worry. think that's harsh. Um, it's football's one of those strange sports, team sport, but as fans, we're all very prone to just speaking about the one player who's messing everything up, you know. Um, 
we're, we're not seen anywhere near the best. Well, it's either we've not seen anywhere near the best of them, or he is every bit as poor as everybody suspects. I, I'm inclined to go with the former, but you know, I know most would probably think he's just a poor player. Pedro's plan was to have a team that was going to be strong attacking crosses, especially for the right hand side. He would have a player coming in off the left. Remember him last season all the time, we need to be more aggressive mm-hmm. in the left hand side. He kept saying that all the time. He's always looking for a player like Windass has been doing for us recently, coming in off the left hand side, crosses coming in from the right hand side. He wanted to have Carlos Pena, who only real strength is attacking a ball in a box. They wanted him making late runs. They wanted Herrera being the sort of player in there to mix things up. And as it turned out, Morelos was good at that and could score goals. So mm. Herrera wasn't really required. Um, I mean, that was his kind of attacking plan. He didn't have much else going. His midfield signings were, um, even Dorans. I know Dorans can be a great player on his game, but you know, the last couple of years he's he's been more defensive minded and you know sat a bit deeper. His midfield signings were more about that. Whereas, you know, he wanted the things to be width and, and bodies in the box. So that was where Herrera was supposed to find and obviously it's just not worked. At the risk of repeating ourselves from last week, Ian, I thought that, you know, that Wilson and Holt, we'd, we'd spoken about, had had a, a kind of upsurge in form and then, an upsurge in form, it was really based on, on Murrayfield. And then they they dropped back down again and sort of reverted to, to the mean in terms of the level of the performances. And... I, w- I was struck the other night that it seemed to be Ryan Jack who'd been given licence to get forward, which he, he did a few times, but you could kind of see when he got to the box that it wasn't something that came naturally. And that did puzzle me, because Holt, for all his flaws, is a guy who has a track record of, of being able to finish. Is this the manager experimenting, or is this the manager maybe thinking Holt? not been playing well so he just needs to do the, the kind of more straightforward job because I, I was puzzled as to see Ryan Jack in that role I thought I thought throughout the game David the, 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 the pair of them interchanged in the second half it became more Ryan Jack going forward I, I do wonder with Holt's lack of football recently I do wonder whether it's just a, a case a case of you know he played last weekend he played Friday night he was maybe starting to blow his arse a wee bit don't know um, if if it's about tactics, then don't play him. You know we're back to that kind of square peg round hole routine that, frankly, Ali McCoy's had, Stuart McCall had, Mark Walburton had, Pedro had at times. Graham Murray's now got it. You know uh, it's, it it puzzled me, especially when I think uh, Ryan Jack. Yeah, it was a decent enough shot, but you could see in the replay in the second half, I think he shot just wide. And um, his face looked as if he's the old, it's the, it's the rabbit in the headlight routine. Um, it was just almost a, if it's a target smash enough, not get me the fuck out of here. Mm. Alex, we we had too many players. We're not good enough to carry players having bad nights. I, I don't even mean not having 100%. I mean just having bad nights. And I thought that Declan John was excellent going forward, but pretty poor defensively. I thought Tav had a nightmare. His passing was off, his crossing was was off. It just didn't work at all. Into the midfield, I thought that, as I say, Jack, I thought looked uncomfortable. Holt was was a non-factor. Miller, again, had returned to the kind of wandering, wandering minstrel performance where he started off on the left and we were told that it was going to be a 4-2-3-1 and it did start off like that with Miller on the left, but quickly... 
degenerated, and that's that's the term I would use, degenerated into a, a, something different. And, and at times I would struggle to tell you what. And by the end, when, when Hardy came on for Candace, who who was another one who, who just was nowhere near his level, um, we were a, we were a, this, you know, a shapeless mess at that point. Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head, actually, as to the biggest difference between us and uh, the, that lot and the other side of the city as such. We, um, we can't carry, we can't grind out a result when we've got too many players hitting five, six out of ten. Um, they can they can play poorly and still get the draw if it's really bad or, or you don't scrape a 1-0 win like they did um, recently against Ross County despite the fact they were howling you know they still won the game we just can't do that anymore we don't have the quality of squad for it we certainly don't have the quality of squad when we're missing players like Alves Dorans mm. you know Morelos for a half even. having to come off at half time Lee Wallace isn't there we, we certainly don't have him we've got that many players out so you know, that, that is the biggest difference, I think. Yeah, you're right. You can carry one or two not having a good game. In fact, you expect one or two any given game yeah. not to be great. Um, you're lucky if you get a handful of games where everybody plays well in a season. Uh, but that was, yeah, especially in the second half, just a real dip. Um, and you, you've got to say as well, see, for all the talk of how well we played in the first halves, both against Hamilton and, and to a lesser extent Dundee, it doesn't really... You can't really say that when, when the chances have been missed, you know? Yeah, it's, or, it's pointless. It's, it's just, that's, that's the main point, and it, it yeah. doesn't really fit. No, I mean, yeah, because you're right. If you're making nine, ten chances and not scoring, or you're making one or two chances and not scoring, you get the same result. And unfortunately, I thought defensively, this is, again, so much about psychology in, the, in at this level. We spoke about it that this was a free hit for Dundee. We spoke about it in the preview show, uh, myself and Stephen, and I think we even spoke about it last week on, on the main show, that it was a free hit for Dundee, even though they'd been struggling, even though that they were at the bottom of the league and, you know, one point at it, whereas our lads looked terrified. And I honestly believe had Dundee been playing a Motherwell or a St Johnston, they'd have looked terrified. And there were times in the first half that their crowd were on them. And I, I, I was speaking to my friends who watching the game and saying, we need to score now because their fans are ready to turn on them. You can hear it. Any misplaced pass. Um, but we didn't. And their players visibly grew in confidence as the match went on. And around about the 55th, 60th minute, I think that Dundee 1-11 to players on the bench management team suddenly thought they don't have anything they don't have anything at all going forward now. And they, they came forward and they started putting pressure on us. They started applying much more physicality in and around the box, which we struggle with. And I think it would be silly to... We can argue about whether the SPFL is too physical a league, but it would be nonsense to argue that we respond well to it because we, we simply don't. And then you could see them thinking, we even at 1-1... I mean, I mentioned this the other night on, on the vlog, that at 1-1... Neil McCann puts on a substitute to try and win the match. Graham Murray was caught on camera chewing his up, and that was the difference because we are paralysed with indecision and fear. Not not just in the team. I mean, it's all through the club. You can see that. But the difference in those last twenty minutes was one team believed and the other team did not. And I, I thought that was absolutely apparent. Ian. Aye, uh, you know, and I think um, Alex, you said earlier, you know, it's maybe unfair to to pick on players. I actually thought the player that almost summed up our performance, and I really like him, I think he's done 
well for a kind of journeyman player, but it's Daniel Candace on, on Friday night. And we said last week, David, um, there was a real lack of good decision-making and the final balls were poor. I think I used the start of 50-plus crosses against Hamilton. And we, we, we rarely threatened. Friday night, it was almost as if Daniel Candace had thought, fuck it, hold my beer. Mm. And I think he got the ball past the first defender once in the entire night. And when he gets subbed, the substitution summed up the entire team. I've rarely seen a guy run off the park as fast as that. It was a la Rickson at Parkhead. Mm, it was. It, he did. He struggled badly. But as I say, I mean, the whole side did. And it's... I, when you're not a great side, and as Alex meant, as you mentioned there, Alex, and when you're showing the players, right, and, and you, you're going through a crisis of confidence, if you get a spell in a game, especially at the start, I couldn't have asked that Rangers team coming off the defeat from Hamilton to come out with a better attitude but they've got to take their chance because as soon as it gets in that they've missed one, two, three, you can see them going, oh no, not again. And the, the, you mentioned earlier the second half curse. After a while, it's not a curse. It's 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 in their head. And what worries me is, is it's starting to get in the heads of the opponents as well who are thinking, just get this mob to half time because they fall apart in the second. And it, it's almost becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're right, yeah. Um, you used the word inevitability about um, when you were talking earlier about your take on the game. And I think that's 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 the most damning part. We as fans can be a little bit, for want of a better phrase, drama queen. You know what I mean? We can watch a game and get a little bit, you know, too worked up about the fact that we're not playing well or whatever. But players playing as they did in the first half, as dominant as Rangers were pretty much in the first half, and I know we didn't create great chances, but we were by far the better team. And... To, to then lose that much confidence, not only in yourself, but in your teammates, it's so clear they've no confidence in each other. That's That, that, that shouldn't be happening. We, you know, as a fans, we should be getting made to look stupid. Mm-hmm. Quite often when we get, oh, we're definitely losing this, you know, sure, we're going to score a couple of late goals, but, you know, it just never happens now. If we sit there at half-time or 60 minutes in or whatever and think... This isn't looking good today. It's almost certainly going to go that way. Yeah. Um, and, and that's you know that's uh, that's pretty damning. Um, now I, I would say this, and I don't know how you guys. So I'd be interested to see what you feel. I, I would never say losing away to a Dundee side that's bottom in the league is acceptable. But had this been a normal season in home form, we would have taken five wins, a draw, and a defeat as our away form so far. Oh God, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We we would have taken that. We'd still be annoyed at losing to Dundee. But we'd have taken that. But because our home form's been absolutely chronic, the one what might be a kind of blip in a away form game um, suddenly becomes a major issue, you know? Well, absolutely. And I mean, you're right. I mean, had we been been doing at home what we should have been doing at home, um, then our away form would have been getting lauded, quite rightly. But at the moment, the, the real concern is that the away form was pretty much the only thing that was holding the season up. And now it's gone. Uh, now that record is away and that's another thing that, that, that's been chipped away from the side and and you're so right about the, the, the lack of confidence the thing that annoyed me most about Hamilton also Dundee but definitely Hamilton was the minute that Hamilton scored Rangers stopped doing everything they'd done in the first half that meant that they'd created all those chances and that I found baffling because you know lads okay they've scored it was a mistake by one of your players right Shit happens, 
But if you keep doing what you were doing to dominate the match, then who knows? Whereas instead, they just went into immediately, with 40 minutes to go, a blind panic. And I think that that happens too often. And we can talk about a lack of leaders, but surely, you know, you know, 13, 14-year-olds in a school game don't necessarily need to be led all the time. These are professional footballers. With the exception of McCrory, they're not children, you know, they're not kids. And I, I just find this immediate reversion to panic mode or, oh no, this is happening again, really, really appalling from professional footballers. Again, can't, can't disagree with that at all, David. It's, um, if her home form had been significantly better, and because of the waveform, Pedro would still be here. It's, it's as simple as that. I don't think the player, the, the the players are now. I think playing infinitely worse than they were under Pedro Cushinho. And I was a big believer that Pedro's time had come to an end. Um, I think you're right, David. In terms of you know professionalism and professional pride for a professional footballer when it's a day to day job, just to largely forget actually what their job is and what doing the basics means it is that that for me is it's baffling but it's also just it's not it's beyond frustrating it's um you know i i, I was always taught always 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 taught as a footballer from a really early age that when the chips are down you do the basics right you get back to the basics, you do the basic stuff, you do the five-yard passes, you help your teammates, you're there You're there to receive the ball. And we go a goal down, and none of that happens. It's, if, it's, it's, it's almost as if none of them have been schooled in the game of football. It, it's, it's utterly baffling. It's also fucking beyond frustrating. Alex? It's, there's not much you can disagree with there at all. I think the, the issues why, as I was saying, that lack of confidence. If you get, I don't think these guys particularly rate each other. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, I don't, and that, and that includes now Graham Murray. I, I can't imagine. You know, we speak about Candice there, for example. He's had a few clubs. He's he's been around. He's played in quite a few different leagues. I can't imagine he's ever really experienced a team like this or a you know a management situation like this where he's he just gets such little confidence in the guys around him, you know? Um and, and that's when that's when a team comes to the fore is when is when they're facing a bit of adversity, you know, who steps up, who is willing to do it, and that's when a team comes in. And at the moment we've got a bunch of individuals, which is fine when they're winning, but you know, the minute they, they go down they, they just they just don't they don't want to fight for each other. Um, they might fight for themselves a wee bit some of that happens they might just have a poor night but they don't really want to fight for each other and, and that's that's concerning because you know the, the first thing you should be able to do in a way a squad is, is at least get a bit togetherness if you can't get that then you've got no chance that's a really good point that Alex on the not fighting for each other but fighting for themselves in recent weeks we've seen uh, I can't remember what game it was, but Candace was almost spoiling for a fight. With, uh, it was uh, Motherwell. Yeah. Candace was spoiling for a fight with anyone with a pulse. Uh, on Friday night, Holt... Now, granted, I, I forget the guys. The, the, it was a jailbird guy that tackled him. The guy with immunity for, from punching policemen. Indeed. Um, 
you know, and, and Holt immediately squares up to him. Very, very few people were going in backing him up. Mm. Uh, but it, it, for, for me, that's the, the frustrations out, and that's the only way that they can channel it. Which is, again, you know, I've used the word, you've used the word baffling, because, lads, channel that frustration positively. Channel that frustration into your play. Your play is missing an edge. You know, your play's predictable and it's safe and it's and it's being read and overcome by the opposition. So so bring that edge to your game and it and it doesn't translate into that. It, as you say, it translates into these kind of daft situations which uh, are just beyond pointless. But you know, we've mentioned them there and, and we do have to talk about this because the Graham Murty interview after the match, which he did with Rangers TV, when I have genuinely never seen um, a manager look like that after a match. And for those of you who haven't seen it, it's on the club website, and I would I would strongly suggest you check it out. Um, he's I know we don't want to to read too much into body language, Alex, but I think you know if you saw a guy like this in the street, you would you would go over and see if he was all right. Am I right? Yes, I mean, you're right. He was. He, he, his chin was was wobbling. His lip was wobbling. He looked like he was either going to burst into tears or had just stopped and was trying to to make sure he didn't start again. And he looked bereft. I mean, he he looked utterly bereft. And I look. It was a disappointing defeat, and and, and I was angry. But this is a guy who has put his hat in the ring for this job. And if a defeat is going to do that to him, I'm sorry. I mean, I think for his own good, then maybe he should think about staying in the job he's in. I agree, definitely. Yeah, he's, um, it's hard because obviously Graham Murray's a very likeable guy um, and we certainly appreciate what he's done for the club. Not just with the youths, obviously, but any time he's had to step up to the first team. But uh, yeah, that, that alone... You know, you wouldn't even need to look at results or anything else. That alone tells you he's not the man for the job full-time. We kind of knew that anyway. That's definitely the final nail in that coffin uh, because it would break him. Mm. It would break him. Um, imagine imagine how he'd feel after a defeat. Imagine he'd been in charge With and that was scalped as at Ibrox last yeah, season. Yeah. No, I mean, that's... Would have had to have taken the shoelaces off him. That was the you thing. Know? I mean, it was that bad. And if, if you've ever had to deal with someone uh, I think we've all been in workplaces where someone has you know been been bullied or whatever or you know just been been bollocked I worked in an industry where it was standard and you see people sitting afterwards and you can tell on their face and that's what he looked like and I, I just I, you know on a human level you, you certainly feel feel for the guy because that must be intolerable pressure but he is wanting to step up to do that on a weekly basis. And I do wonder, though, Ian, if there was more to it than just it was the defeat of Dundee, because I think that when Murray's gone in this time, he said to them, especially after Murrayfield, look, I, I want this job. And they have thought, oh, good, well, well, Graham's fine, Graham, especially two wins at the start, great, he can handle it. And I think that even though Hamilton was bad, in many ways worse, because it was at home and it was Hamilton, that Keyes thought after Hamilton, I can still do this. If we beat Dundee and we, we beat Aberdeen, I can get this job. If I'm sitting with five wins out of six, I can write Hamilton off as an aberration. Uh, because it kind of was, right? You know, we, we missed glorious chances. And I can write that off as one of those days, but look at the rest of my results. And I think that Friday night, 
was a guy who realised this is this is gone now. There's there's no chance, and there's no chance in the future either. If I need to come back in and do this again, that I I have lost the chance to go in straight at that level as being the manager of Rangers. I like to think that there was no chance in the first place, certainly after Hamilton. Um, but you're right. The, the, Friday night we saw two things. We saw a guy under a ridiculous amount of pressure. Uh, and I mean truly ridiculous amount of pressure. You've only got to look at his face during the interview. Um, but Ian, is, uh, it, is it a ridic- I mean, that's the pressure a Rangers manager is under. And again, oh, we can talk about whether or not it should be, but that's that's not going to change. For Graham Murray as a guy, that that was a ridiculous amount of pressure. He clearly is not is not either you know now or might be in the future and all the rest of it. But right now, he's never managed a club in his life. He's been a youth team coach. He stepped up. He did reasonably well in his first spell. I think he lost a couple of games, drew it at Parkhead. This time, the wheels are falling off. Um, a, he's not good enough. I think that's plain for everyone to see, David. Um, he maybe didn't realise that himself, so there's, there's inevitably a bit of self-pity and all the rest of it. Um, we will invariably talk about the board later. Uh, and I'm bloody sure we will. What I will say about Friday is um, we've got a youth team coach there pretty much during the interview. I think both the one on BT and the one on Rangers TV pretty much begging the board to appoint a manager. Mm. Um, certainly, what, what he, you know, the way he came across in the BT interview, Jesus Christ, you know, it, it, it was, you know, stay away from sharp, uh, sharp objects. And a basic... Just a, a, I think a basic right of an employee is to be treated with respect by the people that employ you. And Friday night highlighted for me that we've got a guy who he maybe believes his own self-hype and he's, he's trying to be promoted beyond his own capability. Hmm. Who's not been in a job yeah, yeah, that that's definitely. the case? Yeah. Now, nine times out of ten, said person doesn't get promoted because their bosses realise that they're shooting above their, their, their current capability. That's just treating them... That's actually treating people with 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 the respect that they deserve. They maybe don't see it themselves. Friday night, honestly, that, that, that summed up for me everything that's wrong about the club on and off the park. Alex, he's going to be in charge for... It certainly appears he's going to be in charge for the, the two Aberdeen games. And... I, I, Maybe you know there may be an announcement before that, or maybe you know it could change. We know that, but as we are recording this, it looks like Graham Murty is going to be in charge for these next two games. I think that that is a case of someone being hung out to dry because you know that you saw that that this is not a bloke. How is he going to be able to go from that on Friday night to lifting a whole squad on the Monday morning and then shaping them? preparing them from Wednesday and if he thought the atmosphere at Dens was bad if they put in a performance like that at home to the sheep um, it's going to be far worse and this guy who doesn't you know deserve it but has unfortunately put himself into this position and been placed in this position and because he has as I say said he wants to be the manager he does have to be judged as the potential manager 
And our fans, if that happens again on Wednesday night, our fans are going to make Dundee look like, you know, a kind of mild disappointment. I would imagine so. Um, yeah, you, I suppose the Commando game that Pedro lost his job was disastrous, yet there was a sort of resigned feeling. Hamilton, there wasn't a very vociferous reaction, but just given it's Aberdeen, you would imagine if if, uh, if they score early or the game's not good, looking good, that yeah, the, the place will be pretty poisonous, for want of a better word. But I, think I want to just go back slightly on, on something Ian said there about you know game money being under an immense amount of pressure. As, 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 in terms of being Rangers manager, the position he's in at the moment, given that he knows that regardless of what he does, he's got a safe job back with a development squad. And really, no one's expecting that much from him. It's about as low pressure as you can get in that role. Yeah. Yet, as we've seen on Friday, he, he kind of looks as though it might have broke him a wee bit already. Um, there is a lack of leadership all round. I don't know how much he turns around. Um, you know, I would have loved to have seen what training was like. I'd imagine they maybe came back in on the Sunday after playing on the Friday. Um, I would just like to have seen, you know... What the reaction was? Um, is there a bit of anger there? Is he getting any anger to give them? Mm. Did they respect him enough that if he got angry, they would actually take it seriously? Oh, and I, I just, I'd, I'd love to have known because this, the game on Wednesday has the potential to be absolutely disastrous if, if, uh, if the heads are as far down as we are worried there. Mm. That's a good point, and and Ian, I think that what Alex touches on there is for me, Graham Murty as a substitute teacher. And the class have decided day one that they can take the piss, and no amount of you know pink slips or threats or you know go and see the hidey is gonna is gonna change that. That they're waiting for the real teacher to come back or a new teacher to come in, and then there will be that level of respect. But they've decided that they don't need to bother with this guy. And with all due respect to Graham Murty, and I am a great believer in men showing their emotions and whatnot, and we shouldn't bottle it in, but. After seeing that in this macho bullshit world of football, he is dead in the water in terms of having credibility to ball at them. Can you imagine? <clears throat> so, imagine imagine training, Alex, like like you say, and you've got twenty five guys in who are the vast majority are under thirty. The vast majority will be ridiculously immature. The footballers, yeah. Uh, can you imagine the giggling behind their hands at Graham Murray when he walked into the changing room? Uh, that 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 will have happened. It happens in every, like I said about you know earlier on. It happens in every job everywhere. You know, you laugh at the poor cunt who 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 has got absolutely no authority, thinks he has, tries to tries to you know instill that authority on on others, <laughs> and simply then is just either behind his back or to his face has the piss ripped out. Well, that will be. That'll have been Sunday. Well, Alex, I mean, you you know more, more about psychology than me. For those of you who don't know, Alex, psychology grad, very interested in the subject. I mean, there is this phenomenon of people despising the weak or what they perceive to be the weak, and especially in times of turmoil, you'll probably know the correct name for it, but is that a worry that we have at the moment, that the players... It, it, footballers make excuses for poor performances. Footballers, I mean... Don't take my word for it. Go and read Sir Alex Ferguson's book on it and he'll tell you that footballers will blame everything other than themselves for poor performances. So, you know, are we entering a stage where there's a situation where 
the players are going, this idiot, no wonder we're getting beat. Um, and we're we're going to face, you know, the, the team that we're battling with for second, let's be honest, twice in a few days with that undercurrent at training. I think so. Yeah, I think that undercurrent's been getting into the last couple of games. Um, we've got a bit of a bounce against Hearts and Partick Thistle. You know, decent performances. We said ourselves at the time that the Hearts' performance was probably the best of the season so far. Uh, but I think there is this, as you say, it's perfect. It's a perfect storm. They just get to turn around anything that's going on at the club right now and say, that's why I'm not playing well. Mm. You know? And, and that's that's what's going on. That's the problem right there. That, um, and they're, they're not looking in the mirror at all. And there might be a few of them who have got the character to do that. Kenny Miller being one of those guys that can look himself in the mirror, this is a season too far for him now. So even though he's potentially trying to step up and drag others with him, he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have you know the ability now to do it consistently. You'll maybe get one good game in 10 out of him, which is all we've had this season because it's just too far for him now. So you know, if the rest of the players aren't willing to do it either, they're just going to point to, well, you know, I'm not going to listen to that guy. He's rubbish anyway. He's useless as a manager mm. this club's taking far too long to make any decisions and that's that, the reason I'm yeah. playing badly you know that, that yeah. that's the mentality do you think yeah. Alex that that's why we're seeing the Holtz and the Wilsons because they are if you like guys who you know Marty knows they're Scottish it's, it's easier just to put them in as opposed to maybe guys that are a wee bit more difficult potentially to deal with because for me it's baffling to take Peña and then when you, you desperately need a goal not to chuck him on um, and for me putting Peña on the bench was was for sure it probably was yeah it was like a, I think it was almost as if they'd been listening to all the, the speculation and, and just decided oh, we'll stick him on the bench just to, just to get, uh, keep people happy uh, because as you say if you're chasing a goal at any time why, why would you not bring the guy on at least yeah uh, Ryan Hardy's shown in the last few games that he's just not there yet He's not there to come on off the bench with 15, 10 minutes to go and be a threat. We've seen that. So, you know, why why bother with taking the, the internationalist that's worth a couple of million pounds if you're not going to use them? It, it did seem a bit showy. I think, uh, yeah, overall, on that point, sorry, just the, the, the blame, the excuse culture in football, we are really in danger of going down that road in a big way at the moment um, because there seems to be a lack of respect all round Ian uh, we need to talk about the upcoming fixture obviously we won't have, have time to, to preview it this week on the pod so we have a fixture on Wednesday night against Aberdeen no longer uh, having our, our proud unbeaten long unbeaten record against them unfortunately but Aberdeen have been in pretty poor form themselves recently um, whether or not affected by the McKinnis speculation and speaking about excuse culture, um, whether their players were clinging to that. But after McKinnis, uh, Milne and then McKinnis came out and distanced himself, people have said ended speculation, I don't know about that, but distanced himself from the Rangers job. Um, they, they got a, a positive reaction against Kilmarnock at the weekend. Um, you know, if, if you're just looking at this on form and you're not looking at it on, you know, we're Rangers and we're Rangers fans and we're going to be over staunch and just ignore everything... They're the favourites here. Um, I fear we might get humped on Wednesday. You'll be hugely surprised to hear that. Mm. Um, uh, genuinely, because 
really because of the that downward spiral that we're on. Murty not being respected, the players will inevitably be fucking laughing behind their hands, behind his back. Um, add then the McInnes factor, and the Aberdeen players will be wanting to show Rangers just, you know, he, he's our boss, you know, and but also show McInnes what he's, what he's currently got. Aberdeen will be fired up. It's Rangers in Glasgow, they'll be fired up anyway. Mm. I, and frankly, I think they know that we're there for the taking. Mm. And I think when 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 you I, I do fully expect Aberdeen to be massively fired up for the game. Genu- generally, when you've got a team who's above you in the league and they're that fired up, and you're not playing well, generally nine times out of ten only ends one way. I fear a drubbing. I hope it doesn't happen, but I do think they could score a few goals. Right, Alex, staunch this up a bit, otherwise I'm going to just end the pod now and stick on the, the Thornley boys for the last 20 minutes after after Surrender Monkey Hog there um, gave up. Make a case for, for why make he's... A he's yeah, make a we, case for why he's talking out his arse and we're going to win. We went in under Murray last season with a squad that was weaker than this um, and lost away to Inverness and Dundee. Can you remember? That's not that helping! Before. Listen, listen, right, okay, listen. Okay. We're then turned that round into a hard-fought win against St Johnstone before we went to Parkhead and got the draw. Possibly, possibly. I know it seems so unlikely, but there might just be the reaction we spoke about. That might just have harmed. There might be a little bit of anger in them, annoyed at the last couple of games, not doing themselves justice, knowing that they need to be up for this. There's, there's no coasting a game against Aberdeen in this situation when Aberdeen are this strong. You know, they, they maybe did come out with the wrong attitude against Hamilton to some extent or did Dundee, you know, a little bit too lax. Possibly. There won't be any of that on Wednesday. So yes, confidence is low. Yes, it's unlikely. But crowd fired up. Early lucky goal. I'll take a I'll take a <laughs> deflection off Carlos Benya's shot glass yes. to the first goal, man. And <laughs> When you get Ibrooks fired up, you just never know because I think the biggest thing, the biggest frustration we've all got this season is there's some clear ability in some of these players. Yeah, There's no doubt in that. Some people are really quite negative about the state of the squad and I know we've still got a good bit to go to be where we want to be, but there's some clear ability in there and if we can just get that, to be honest, we need one performance to be brutally honest because going away in the Sunday is a completely different story um, and Aberdeen having lost two games in the league in a row for over a year which I think in the space of that year we've done a number of times so do you know what I'm going to let my heart rule my head and we're going to win this one on Wednesday night um, thank you for doing that um, and for taking that bullet for me because that means <laughs> that I can I can go for a draw um, which is what I think it'll be I think that we'll nick um, and I do genuinely, uh, David. I do genuinely hope that we win. Uh, there's 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 a certain amount of irony in actually gaining three in a row when it's fucking defeats. I, I, I gen- genuinely don't want that to happen. Alex, I I, I salute your eternal optimism. Alex spoke <laughs> there about something that I think is interesting coming into this game, and it leads us on to our next our next topic. That. Can you make changes? Can anything change during this period of stasis when we don't have a new manager? The club at the moment is inert and everything seems to have ground to a halt. 
how can we reasonably expect, and, I, and I'd like both of, both of your takes on this, how can we reasonably expect anything to change if nothing changes? We'll go with you first, Alex. We can reasonably expect it. We simply can. Um, we can hope for it, but we can't reasonably expect it. But the question then becomes, is the la- are the last two games indicative of where we are under Marty or were his first two games indicative of it? Because no. it's not like all four games have been a disaster. No, but you, you know? no, but if you were tracking the, the pattern and, yeah, you know, yeah. if you you know you you were looking. Well, at... It depends on the partners. It could be two wins, two defeats, two wins, two defeats. You know, mm. um, I know that's all. You know, it's all a bit. It's just if we're going to apply that sort of logic to it, then it doesn't naturally follow that just because we lost the last two games or lose the next one. In fact, as Ian just pointed out, it would be you know actually very rare for us to lose three in a row. Yeah, we, we don't do it that often. So, so in some ways, then when you start applying about stats and about logic. That's where you can. That's the only real case you can make for a change. Sheer law of averages, um, but uh, you know everything else would seem to be stacked against us, definitely. Solid logic there, Ian. Or is Alex uh, grasping at more straws than Wazzle Gummidge having a wank? Um, I'll go with the straws. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, y- yes. There's stats, logic, past performance over however many years, and all the rest of it. Fact of the matter is, currently. We are shite and at the lowest of the low in terms of confidence. Doesn't bode well. Uh, right, lads, uh, thank you very much. This is the Thornley boys and they'll play it. No, um, <laughs> uh, it, it is tough because I am a great believer in the old, uh, you know, the, the old Einstein quote of if you keep doing the same things, you'll keep getting the same results. And, and at the moment, that does seem to be happening for us so that that does concern me given who it's against given you know the but i would like to think that as professionals that they will want to to give a reaction and ibrox will be fired up you won't have those long periods of silence that you got against hopefully in a positive way but you might be negative but it'll be you know that that kind of atmosphere you know, midweek against the sheep under the lights, it, it, it'll be, um, and I'm hoping that the players players can respond to that. Now, really, the only movement on the managerial front um, was a story that actually first appeared on the blog Four Lads Had a Dream, um, which uh, Alex is one of the co-founders of. Although it wasn't you who wrote the story, I believe, Alex. No, no, it was not. No, it wasn't myself. No. D- distancing himself from that. But <laughs> there was nothing actually factually incorrect about the story because what the story said was that Ladbrokes had issued a press release... Sorry, Ladbrokes had issued a press release um, stating that they'd closed the book on um, Alex McLeish, of all people, becoming the new Rangers manager. And to be fair... To, to your co-writer Stevie, that was all he reported. But I think that the immediate and vociferous negative reaction against it, um, people conflated that to him saying that Alex McLeish was a certainty to become the next manager. Now, it is a rumour that has swirled about for a bit, um, and I stress at this point it is only a rumour. Bookies have suspended betting on it, but you know, bookies have these markets are tiny, and they, you know, a, a guy putting on five hundred quid or 20 guys putting on 500 quid between them massively affects those markets. Plus, you have to remember it's free publicity for a bookie. A bookie does something like this, the press go, woohoo, a story, especially at a time when there's nothing, doesn't appear to be anything happening. Um, however, 
There have been these rumours before. Alex McLeish has came out immediately and said, I haven't been contacted by anyone from Rangers. There's, there's nothing in it. I think that the interesting thing here is, first of all, whether or not Alex McLeish is going to be the man, I don't think he is. But, you know, I, I, I think the fans would have accepted it had it happened the day after Pedro got fired. I think, given you know five weeks, we're going to go away and search for the perfect candidate. If they deliver Alex McLeish... Um, there's there's going to be riots, but I think that what was interesting to me about this this whole Farago was there's such a lack of anything at the moment that there is this massive vacuum and people are filling it with anything and anything that goes into it explodes immediately and catches fire and that is going to continue and get worse and get more passionate and get more varied. And it that cannot be good for the board. It cannot be good for the board's credibility long term because each one of these, we'll call them incidents of new manager, panic, speculation, whatever, every time one of these things happens, I think it erodes confidence in the board because it creates a negative image in people's heads and for for right or for wrong, the, the more of these that happen, the more negative imagery that's placed in people's head it's harder and harder to to bring that back and this goes back to what we were saying last week about the board are bringing this down on themselves when they really didn't need to Alex I was actually going to suggest Lenny you can go first because I think he's busting to have a go here but um, don't worry I'll I'll, uh, I'll firstly defend Stevie to say that as you said he didn't actually say Alex McLeish is definitely going to be the next manager or anything like that he was simply saying here's what's happened um, got in with the press release before it actually came out and like any blogger would do uh, threw that up as something they knew you know um, yes you're correct because there is no real solid news coming from anywhere I mean even the likes of Sky Sports BBC no, they've got nothing they've got absolutely nothing so anytime something like this does come out it gets a bit of an overreaction the, the the, the, the tweets and stuff about Alex McLeish being a possibility were, were, were unreal. Um, you know, it was there was loads. In fact, um, I believe Ian would have been one of the first people on Twitter with that. Um, and, yeah, because, as you say, because there's, there's very little else official, the club's not saying anything, they're not leaking anything to anyone. I mean, that's a, an age-old trick to, to, to have a couple of preferred journalists and let them kind of dictate the story almost without coming out with anything official. They're not even doing that. So it, it, it is eroding confidence. The AGM in Thursday could be crazy if this continues or if someone like Alex McLeish is hired. In fact, the latter would probably be even worse. Ian? Sometimes I get a bum rap, to be honest, David, for, <laughs> for, for being this down... Down in the mouth, um, if you keep, cynical, if you pessimistic pre- bastard. If, if you keep predicting Aberdeen are going to beat us, then you'll get a rap on the bum. Fair <laughs> enough. I t- I'll take you back to the April live pod. Um, so today, Monday, 27th November, 32 days since the manager was sacked. Um, we've talked about succession planning before. Uh, unless Mr King's going to pull out a a mega rich Qatari prince, and there's probably more chance of Shergar winning this year, next year's national. 
It's it's almost five weeks. Almost five weeks. We talked about the players not well, doing the, the basic. The day of the, the AGM board, symbolically is five weeks. Yep. The board are not doing the basics, you know. It's almost as if it's a sick bet between them. Um, can we do it worse than Everton? So today, yes, I was working at uh, working in Sheehog today, uh, and it did spark a little bit of fanny holding panic, and that was myself included, Alex, uh, when the bet was suspended. And in in the blind panic, I tweeted about the holy trinity of shite and doomed appointments: Davy Moyes to West Ham, Alex McLeish to Rangers. So presumably, the next would be Howard Kendall to Everton. And then I then I remembered that he was dead. He's dead, yes. Uh, so uh, so quickly changed it, but you know as as all football fans do, and you know yes, I'm a cynical pessimist, but then I started rationalising it, thinking big echo get a bounce, blind panic. So um, I think I joked about it off air to you last week, David. But you know we we, we need we, we need and we want a strong leader, preferably one with with money. Robert Mugabe is still available. Yes, and Mark uh, Mark knows him well. But we go into this AGM and the mood is ugly, let's be honest. Um, the fans are not going to be massively swayed, I think, by any sort of PR bluster. Uh, where, where I advising the board, my advice would be hold your hands up, be honest, admit you made mistakes, do the mea culpa, don't get defensive, don't get um, combative. I understand because you always, if you if you're in a, a position when people criticise you, it, it's tempting to circle the wagons and point at what you did do, and I feel that the board might point to you know decent accounts and movement, sports direct deal, all that kind of stuff. But I think that the only way to to sort of stem this would be to completely hold our hands up give as much of a truthful account as to why it's taken this long as possible, i.e. if they had a target in mind and it was close but didn't happen, then say that. You don't need to name names and you don't need to give dates and you don't need to give figures, but you have to give us something and tell the fans what is going on or, or at least give them something because otherwise, if you sit there and give it the chemical alley or comical alley rather, I think that the fans are going to destroy you. I really do. And Alex, I just don't see if the board try to tough this out, I don't see it ending well for them. It won't, no. Um, they've at least... I was half expecting a pre-prepared questions thing to come in. Um, so at least they've kind of faced up to a bit of that, or so it would seem. No, it, it's... Uh, you've. You've got to be honest here, really, when you think of what this board has done for us and where we were before they came in and all that, it's kind of ridiculous that in such a short space of time they've managed to burn all their credit. Mm. You know? That's um that's that's unreal. That's uh, that's a that's a lottery winner bankrupt and say two years, oh, you know, a, it's like a Mikey Carroll job, absolutely. Uh, exactly, that's it, yeah. Um you know, that that almost shouldn't be possible given where we were, the absolute mess, everything and what they've done for us, they, they, they should be getting lauded wherever they go and never have to buy another pint in Scotland again. But already, because of a couple of failed management choices and, you know, 
sometimes that's not always their fault, but they're going to carry the can for that anyway. Um, and some semen in action. And God knows if it has been or not, but it certainly looks like it. That's it. That's it. It's turned already. Some of the questions are going to end up being quite aggressive, I'd imagine, actually. Um, you know, someone's going to say, why is that idiot in a job? Or, or words along those lines towards Stuart Robertson, guaranteed. Yes. Um, he's, someone is going to ask why he's still here, what is he doing? Um, and you were right, you know, a, a couple of pods ago, you had a better defence for him um, than the club's managed in any time since since he's come in. Um, it's uh, it's just, it's strange to think that's the way it's going to be. You're right, they have to hold their hands up. If they don't come out and say in the pre-prepared statement that it's first, which will point to accounts, the end of the Sports Direct deal, the, um, the hiring of a, football, a director of football, more structure being put in place, the move for the youth. So there's a lot of positive stuff going on. There is, but the fans don't want to hear it. They want to hear why Fogg would take so long to get a manager. And if they don't if they don't say something in that pre-prepared statement, never mind later on in the questions, that'll be enough. That'll be enough for, for people to just go, done with this nonsense, and start getting a bit angry about it. Ian, I, I, what concerns me is I think that the tone that's come from the board through its official and its unofficial channels has been quite high-handed. And I don't think that they are reading the mood of the support correctly and I think if they go into the shell of you should be more grateful to us um, it, it, it's not going to work and and maybe it's a, an argument but again I, I'm a big one for you know you need to focus on what a situation is rather than what a, a situation should be and I, I'm concerned that they are developing the bunker mentality and are kind of going to come across with this attitude because if that happens if it becomes confrontational then they'd be as well you know trying to to hire that um we tent that the spivs had and sit 400 yards away because the reaction will be the same and and as alex touched upon that's tragic for what they did and from where they were um but they can't then go into high-handed owner mode because if you do that and, and you try to do that to fans you stop you stop any credit that you've got with the fans because then they think now nah, they've lost touch with us it's it's and if they do that it's David Murray latter years all over again um, and uh, you know I, I know it's, got, it's got an air of simply don't give a fuck what the customer base either wants or wants to hear or wants to know or whatever just pay your money sit down fuck up and go on with it um, go back to what we said a couple of pods ago um, the board is largely made up of highly successful businessmen and I find it I find it baffling, bizarre um, just mad that A they couldn't read they couldn't read their customer base they couldn't read the mood they don't know what the music feels like uh, I, f- I find that bizarre. I also find bizarre that they would they would actively then try and piss them off. Um, I am fully expecting, in my cynical, pessimistic mode, uh, I am fully expecting when you add trainer into that mix, fully expecting high-handedness at the start, look at what we've done for you, I'm fully expecting the Q&As to be stage-managed with 
questions about Rene Gattuzzi and the price of pies and the quality of the cheeseburgers. Um, and if that happens, all hell will break loose. There's no two ways about it. What I want is I want no cute side bites. I don't want woe is me stuff. I want fairly fact-based stuff, especially around planning, that the board can be measured against. This is our... Um, the, the, the wider company and the footballing board, they should be measured against key deliverables and key outcomes. It's the AGM. They need to be stating what those are. And so so I, I would be expecting, and this would be, you know, again, go back to leaders lead. I would want an apology for the past month. You know, they've got to go in and read the mood music and say, do you know what, guys, sorry, but mm. fine, tell the story. Um, I think j- uh, just a background to that, j- I was doing the math earlier, we've been rudderless for two months of nine playing months so far this year. We had a month out after Warburton and, and a month out after Marty, give or take. 22% of the playing year so far, we haven't had a full-time manager. So they've got to they've got to address that. Because frankly, I think for well-paid executives like Stuart Robertson, that that's that's not good enough. Um, I want them to talk about the high level. You know, forget the past, forget it's been and gone. They've been lauded. they be, you know, as Alex said, they shouldn't have to buy a pint, but it's been and gone. I want the high-level plan for investment and possibly some potential options around it going forward. It was one of their stated aims when they took power. We're two plus years on. And I understand the journey that we've been on and the constraints and so on and so on. But we need to see the outline plans. We need to see those those fast. But we also need to see the outline timescales for those investment plans. Because we can't just spin on the spot. We have to see how we move forward. And I also wanted to talk about, you manager comes in, bare expectations for this season are, is it still second? Is it still a cup final? Is it still a whatever, whatever? Yeah, Because there's a real sense that the board have chucked the towel in this season and it's only November Yeah and I think that that's, that's the, the thing that's concerning most punters is it does appear that this is another season that's being written off and there does come a point, I'm, I'm a great believer in you have aims that are short term medium term and long term and you, you can't get too focused on any one of them, you know you can't over like when people always say about a new sign and they always say, oh, no resale value. And I'm like, well, sometimes that's okay because we need to win games this season rather than, you know, two or three years away. Um, and I think that if the board think that they can say, well, yeah, but in the long term, this is going to be a benefit. They, they use that up with the Pedro with the Pedro move um, and they can't do that now. I think that they have to address the short-term issues and I, I know that won't be pleasant, but um, it's something they have to do. And someone has actually, a few people have said to me on Twitter, you know, David, you should go along and you should ask questions because, you know, one of the things is that the much sort of vaunted term that, that, that people say are, are the much used one is prominent supporter and I don't really feel like that um, to be honest but one of the reasons I don't get involved is that I did supporter activism for want of a better term for 10 years and it nearly killed me um, and I'm not doing that again so you know the, the podcast will, will, will have a reaction to the pod but um, you know I am just a fan and happy to be just a fan and uh, 
and we, we, you know, yes, it's great we've got this this platform to speak to people, but it is still just me and my mates talking about Rangers, and all you guys are invited into it. And you know, I'm no different from anybody else in terms of going along and and trying. But I mean, Ian, you saw me back in the day. What what did ten years of doing that do to me? Fucking hell! <laughs> wait, wait, you. Where'd you start with that? Yeah. You started off. You started off. You're young guy, young slim guy who liked the odd drink. And at the end of it, you were a fucking rehab, raging, al- raging alky, cokehead rehab. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for for obvious reasons and for promises I've made to my family, uh, it's not something I'm getting involved in. So there's a whole generation of bears out there that can, that can do that. But we will report from it. But just to let you know, just in case you're thinking, well, you know, why aren't you there leading the charge? That's that's why. Um, and I think that sometimes you have to you have to put the family first, and in that case, that's, I do, that's definitely. I me. do believe. I do believe, though, David. You know, you've got you've got large supporters organisations out there. Uh, formerly, it was the trust. Formerly, it was Rangers First. Uh, come come together. Club eighteen seventy two. Club eighteen seventy two. From a credibility point of view, this is a, this is a bit of a crossroads. Yeah. But they, they, they need to be front and centre. And I, I genuinely believe that they will. Um, you know, they've been quite vocal over the past couple of days. But it has to be front and centre. It has to be impartial from the club. You know, and, and and their support base has to be using those forums. As I say, my, my main concern is it becomes too stage managed and it becomes Murray-esque and all hell breaks loose. Alex, final word on AGM? Um... Well, here's a question, guys. Um, sorry, maybe it drags on a bit longer than you were expecting, but do you think there's a chance the current directors don't genuinely believe that the fans are more concerned about finances and club survival than they are about results and the managerial position? Do you think there's a chance after the past five, six years they think our priorities have shifted and that they are acting in a way that tries to mirror that? I think that's a good question. I I don't think that they think that exactly, but what I suspect they think is that the last kind of... Well, if you go back, obviously you, you remove the, the kind of con men and spivs, but when Murray was there, that he didn't act as a custodian of the club and he didn't put the club's best interests first, which is correct, incidentally. Um, he gambled the club's future and he lost. And he had no right to do that, owner or not, because no no man owns Rangers Football Club, the supporters own it. And I think that they feel that they have to be above, if you like, concerns about week-to-week results and, you know, manage. I think that they feel that they have a larger duty, uh, which they do, but my argument would be that you also still have the day-to-day duty, Um and it's great that you are focusing on building and you know a proper sustainable rangers that that will go on for decades and won't be put in the position that it was put in but at the same time the very nature of a football club is to get good results on the football field and i think that they have to strike a balance between the two aspects and at the moment i'm not sure they've got that correct so i don't think that they're going in there saying you know, if they put forward decent figures and the the crowd are are kind of going boo, that they'd be shocked. I don't believe that, but I think that they feel that they have to be less reactive to day to day pressures than maybe previous boards and owners were. 
Right. Go on, sorry, on you go. Sorry, uh, uh, just going to add to that, David. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think there, I do think with some of the personnel on the board, however, that where they are under the Murray regime, it's it's kind of hard. You know, leopard changing spots and all that kind of stuff, David. You know, I find it difficult to believe that there's not an air of fucking ungrateful bastards. We saved the club. I think that'll be the back of the me- the back of their minds, and and people shouldn't be upset about this because trust me, I've worked in in customer roles, customer facing roles, and nobody despises their customers more than people that have to have to deal with them. Um, and I don't think they despise us at all. I think previous owners did, but I don't think they do. But you do when you're in the the kind of trenches, if you like, you do go. What are they moaning about now? It's human nature because nobody ever praises you for the good stuff you do. You, but they all complain about you know any mistakes that you make, and that I, I think is human nature. It, it, it's happened to me when I've been working in customer facing roles where you're you, you do think you know ungrateful moaning bastards um, because you do so much that they don't comment on, and then the second you put a foot out of line, they do jump on you. And it's happened. You know, any, anyone I know who's had a customer facing role will, will tell you the same thing. So yeah, I mean that that will be in the thinking, but I don't think they're contemptuous of us the way that previous previous boards were. Alex, would your question? But what do you think on it? Um, no, that's 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 fair. I don't. I, I wouldn't imagine there would be uh, the contemptuous, as, as you said. No, definitely not. I just, I, I was just kind of, I was just worried that they might be. You're right. They shouldn't be. I, I'm very much of the opinion they should be above the the day-to-day reactive nature of the fans. Because you know, if a football club was run that way, it wouldn't get anywhere. Uh, but I, I just worry that they're too far above it, um, and it's sort of almost thinking, well, you know, we're never going to win the league this year anyway, so mm. so don't worry too much about it. Whereas, you know, a lot of fans, despite a relatively slow start, we're still we we're still dreaming, you know. Um, and uh, the minute you start taking that away for football fans, that's that's when the issues really kick oh, in. So absolutely, I think uh, yeah, it, there's. As a, as a concern, I just thought that maybe they didn't. You're right; they don't have the right balance. But I think they maybe swing a bit further at the side that we we as fans don't really want than, than you're than you're maybe suggesting. Actually, I, I get it and I understand it because we can't ever and we can't put through future generations 2012 again ever. Um, and I get and I'm glad that they they think that way. And, and to be fair, if they had to be too much one way, that would be the way I would like them to be. But I think, like you say, they just need to work on the balance and move it a bit closer. So uh, just about to wrap up, we've gone we've gone quite long. We will be back. I'll do a, a video blog of uh, on the YouTube channel. Just go to Heart and Hand Podcast on YouTube. So it's youtube.com forward slash Heart and Hand Podcast. Um, if you want to see that, and obviously it'll be all over the social media feed. Just the reaction to what comes out of the AGM. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday night with a preview of the second Aberdeen game and a review of the Wednesday night one. But there's a couple of things I want to touch on now. This weekend, Saturday night, December the 2nd, we have a new podder joining the ranks and uh, and, a, and an old one. Um, Scott will be back for the live pod at the Loudoun Tavern and he'll be joined by Cammy Bell but also by Kevin Thompson and that's not just a coincidental name it is the Kevin Thompson Kevin will be joining us uh, as a podder and then I'll be interviewing him afterwards so we'll hopefully yes we'll be playing the hits you'll, you'll get to hear the Robbie Keane story again it's completely sold out it's sold out in 2 minutes and 44 seconds completely 
you cannot get a ticket for loving their money, except if you do this. Um, a, a very, very kind gentleman by the name of Malcolm Smith has put up one ticket that he has spare, and I'm going to match it. So two tickets to, to see Heart and Hand live this weekend. And on top of that, he's also throwing in a signed captain's armband by John Gregg. It's not match worn, but still signed captain's armband by John Gregg and a signed picture of Colin Steen with the Cup Winners' Cup from Barcelona. Now, that's fantastic stuff over and above. I mean, I, I, I did try to say, fuck it, just give them the tickets, but he wasn't up for it. Um, so if you want to do that, then the reason that he's doing this is for uh, raising uh, funds for a power chair football club, Glasgow Gladiators, um, which allows disabled people to um, play football and, and get in, get interested in sport. Uh, it's a fantastic cause, and you can donate money to that if you go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Eddie Kirkwood. Um, and, uh, you know, these guys are bears, and it's always nice to support our own. And he's uh, Malcolm's raising money for that. So if you want to, to bid for it, there are no bids at the moment. If you bid 30 quid, then you could get it. So you might as well, because what if, if nobody... If you're sitting there going, I'll probably go for Hunters. I hope it does, right? I mean, come on, you know, th- th- that's a lot of stuff, right? The tickets are worth 20 quid anyway, and that's before a, a black market add-on. But if you go and, and just go into Twitter, um, tag me and I'll tag Malcolm in, and just bid, be it 20, 40, 50, 60. If you've got 100 to spare, great. If you've got 200 to spare, great. Look at what you're getting for it. And on the night of the pod, um, I'll come over, meet you, you'll meet Kevin... Um, obviously you'd be more interested in meeting me but the option will be there get uh, signed stuff and you'll be singled out for doing it so it's a, a fantastic chance please do it the other thing um, and this is where I'm grateful to my boys here um, the other thing that we're doing is finally and I know I've teased this for a few months but the Heart and Hand subscription channel will start on Wednesday the 6th of December um, people have been asking about this for a while the cost of it is $1.99 per month, and for that you will get 20 to 25 hours extra new content per month. Lots of it different, and that's that's probably key. That's why we're all excited about the shows that we're going to do. Um, the thing about it is is that it's not going to be available through the traditional kind of iTunes, whatever, because you can't do a subscription service on iTunes. They don't they don't allow it. It's through a service called pa- uh, Patreon which is just go to um, www.patreon.com and sign up for Heart and Hand. Now, we're not available at the moment, um, but if you go next week, it'll be there. And then it, you download the app to your phone or you can you know download it from a, from a, a PC or a, a, a laptop or whatever and you'll get all the podcasts that way. So that's all you need to do. It's $1.99 per month or 20 quid for the whole year. So can't say fairer than that, I think. Because even the first week, um, the stuff you're going to get, first of all, you're going to get a daily news show. It might just be rumours, it might just be, but um, I'll every day come to you with the latest news. You'll get breaking news shows. If something happens, you'll get a pod immediately. Now, it's, I should state that the, the Monday podcast and the Thursday slash Friday podcast, they're staying, they'll stay free. That's cool, we're not going to change this. But... You know, if something happens on a, a Saturday, then you're gonna wait. You're gonna have to wait until the. If you're waiting on the pod, you're gonna have to wait to the Monday. Whereas the the subscribers will get it there and then. But you also got other shows apart from that. 
The next one that we're doing is the Advocate Years. That's a series that details month by month what happened under Dick Advocate. The first show deals with the transfers of summer 1998. And my boy Hoggy here, is uh, he's going to be one of the co-hosts of that with me. We've also got a youngster um, who's done all magnificent research on that. And me and Ian are going to give you our remembrances of that. That show could be quite... It's going to be very interesting, Ian, but possibly a tad depressing. Yeah, I think it'll also be quite enlightening for you and I to... Um walk our way through Drunken Haze to actually remember yeah, what happened. Back to the 90s, now I'm looking forward to that. Um, the Gallant Pioneers show with Ian McCauley, the Founders Trail, it'll start with an in-depth profile of uh, a guy that, massive figure in our history that doesn't get the credit he deserves, Tom Balanz. That'll be a regular show as well. The Head to Head show, I'm really looking forward to this. This features two podders discussing, or arguing is probably a better term, over a chosen topic, and you guys will vote on the topic and also who won. Um, that'll be a weekly show, and I think it's going to be great. The first one, uh, and it features Alex here. Alex is going to argue that Kenny Miller is a Rangers legend, and uh, Cammy is going to argue that he isn't. This should be a lot of fun, and I can imagine the people who know me who are listening are thinking, typical Strider, he's going to go for that one. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, I can imagine it being Kenny Miller as well, that there's every chance Cammy might genuinely combust. Mm, I'm hoping you can get him to that. I'm going to be the adjudicator on these shows, and uh, we'll see if there's a clear heart and hand winner at the end of the season. Uh, and of course, I mean, you guys can join in. Um, we'll have Q&As uh, I know I've done them in the international weeks they've been quite popular but we'll do far more regular Q&As there'll be phone-ins and there'll be interviews with you guys with the subscribers You know, we'll be, this is your opportunity as well to come and talk to us there's so much happening now as I say if you're happy with Heart and Hand the way it is that's cool don't worry about it it's not going to change for you guys and if you think nah I'm not going to bother but if you've got a long commute if you go to the gym if you like to walk the dog at night and you like a podcast to accompany you on that one ninety nine a month 50 pence a week. I really cannot say fairer than that. And you're going to get all of this. So that's coming on Wednesday, the 6th of December. And uh, we're going to work very hard for you. We're going to get player interviews, everything we can get. And the money that comes in will be immediately spent on... Uh, this is not a lie. This is just a fact. Um, Ian knows I'm married well. I'm comfortable. Um, but th this money is going to be spent on new equipment. So if you've wondered why there's not a Rangers fan TV a la Arsenal fan TV... If you know money comes in, I'll buy a camera, I'll buy a mic, I'll get out there and do that. So the more this channel grows, the more the content will be. But I also want to hear your ideas for shows. If you've got an idea, great, come and tell me. It might not involve me, which would be even better because, you know, I'm a lazy bastard. So all of that stuff, uh, it's a really exciting time. It basically means you get your Rangers news from Rangers fans. And it basically means you get your Rangers history from Rangers fans. And there's none of this shite that you get in the mainstream media. So, like I say, give us a try. If you don't like it at the end of the month, fair enough. But if you do like it, and I think you will, um, keep with us. So that is something that's starting soon and it's very exciting. Now, this pod has gone on forever. Um, I remember the old days when we used to do 34 minutes and go, no, that'll do it. But uh, all the times they have changed. But uh, all that it means for me to do is to thank our executive producer, in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles, to thank my guests who I think have been excellent and uh, not not the funnest week to talk. But uh, first of all, thank you to Alex Staff. Cheers, David. Thanks a lot, and thank you, Ian, as well. You want to get your plugs in? Yes, um, for myself, uh, Twitter at Strider80. Uh, two blogs now, would you believe? One uh, RangersNews.uk. The other one is FourMenHadADream.wordpress.com, and there's links on them to the Twitter pages as well. 
Fantastic. And my other guest, the always remarkable Mr. Ian Hogg. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, David. Much love. Peace out. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so. Just go to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast on Facebook. Search for that and Apple Pop. Uh, but you can also talk to me on Twitter. I'm at IbroxRocks. Uh, and that's all you need to do. And I do try to get back to as many people as is humanly possible. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you again on Thursday. My name's David Edgar. Bye. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.